0: The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth, and cometh to Simon Peter, and the disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulchre. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulchre. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lie. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scriptures, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home, but Mary stood without the sepulchre weeping, and as she wept she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre, and seeeth two angels in white sitting one on the head at the head and the other at the at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. When she had thus said she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where, where thou hast laid him, and I, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. And she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, For I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascended to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive you, the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them, uh, when Jesus came, the other disciples, therefore, said unto him, we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands the, the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. They came, they, then came Jesus, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen, thou hast believed. Blessed are those that have not seen, and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reading of the the scripture this morning. We thank you for this wonderful account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I pray that we in this auditorium today would truly believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and that he died for our sins and rose again the third day. I believe most people here today have done that. They've put their trust in Jesus. But Lord, maybe someone has not, and I pray for that one that they today might come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We rejoice today that you are risen, and we praise you for the results of that. Give enablement to bring the message we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. A miracle is something that is supernatural. Many times we call things miracles that are not miracles. You know, something spectacular will happen in our life. God will work something out just the way we want it to. And we say, that was a miracle. Well, understand what we mean by that. But a true miracle, a Bible miracle, is something that cannot be explained naturally. It cannot be explained. It's something only God had to do. And that's the only way it would would come about. I thought it interesting that I looked up Oxford's definition of a miracle, and it says this, a surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of divine agency. And I thought it surprising that Oxford Dictionary gave this quote as an illustration of the use of the word res- of miracle, and it said, the miracle of rising from the dead. <laughs> well, they got that right. <laughs> And that is, Jesus' resurrection was truly a miracle. It should not surprise us that the death of Christ was followed by a miracle. I mean, Jesus is the Son of God, and the Scripture makes it clear that He is also the Creator God. If you say, who created the heavens and the earth, you could rightfully say Jesus Christ did, because the Bible says that. In the book of John, chapter 1, we read about the Lord Jesus Christ as the Creator God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We find later in verse 14, the Word is Jesus. And then it says this, The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Colossians also says the same thing in verse 16 of chapter 1. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Jesus is the creator God. He spoke the world into existence. We go back to the book of Genesis chapter 1 and we find the beginning there. And it says in verse 1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. How do we, Who is that God? Well, we find out that God is a trinity, God the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. But God particularly gives credit to the creation, to the Son, and that is Jesus, the Son of God. He created the heavens and the earth. Look at how he did it. Verse 6 says, and, the, and it says, and God said, let there be a firmament. He just said, let there be a firmament. God created the, the earth, and the earth was covered with water, And there were waters uh, uh, on the earth, above the earth. It was just a whole mass of water. And the Lord says, uh, let there be a firmament. And immediately there was a firmament. It it was a spanse between the water on the earth and the water above the earth. And so God made this great spanse. Uh, It's called the firmament. In verse 11, it says this, And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, herb yielding seed, fruit fruit tree bearing fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself. So immediately, God just spoke the word, Jesus spoke the word, and there was grass on the earth, and herbs on the earth, and trees on the earth. And they were full-grown trees with fruit hanging on them and seed in the fruit. Just immediate like that. Evolution is a false, it's, it's a lie altogether. God created it, and he created it perfect in the very beginning. It didn't evolve or anything. There was a full-grown tree, fruit on the tree, and seed in the fruit. And so just God just spoke it into existence. Verse 14 says this, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament. So voila, there they are, (laughs) the lights in the firmament. And there's the sun to rule the day and the moon to rule the night. And then he just says, and he made the stars also, just like a... Like a side comment, you know, all the stars out there, billions of them. And he made the stars also, just spoke them into existence. That's how great he is. Verse 20 says, And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly a moving creature that hath life. And so out in the water comes all these moving creatures, all the fish, the whale, the sharks, everything. God just spoke it into existence. That's how great he is. And Jesus did that. He spoke those into existence. Verse 24, and God says, Let the earth bring forth abundantly. And so here came all these creatures upon the earth, the the big animals, the smaller animals, all the creeping things, all the creatures on the earth. God made all those on that sixth day, and he just spoke it into existence. And then in verse 26, he says this, And God said, Let us make man in our image. And so God made man in his image. And verse 27 says, and the kids have learned this in, in youth group, So God created man in his own image, In the image of God created him. Male and female created he them. God made people male and female. All this gender confusion is just a lie. You're either a man or you're a woman. Who determined that? God did. God determined that. And Jesus Christ is the one who did that. And he just made man. And so God is able to do those things. And when he got all through, guess what he said at at the end of it? After those six days, he said everything he had made, it was very good. Very good. Not yet to be developed. Not yet to evolve. Not anything like that. It was very good. And so God made all these things. And we not find that Jesus is the one who did that. And so in the past, we look, we shouldn't be surprised about the resurrection because Jesus is a God of miracles. And he performed miracles all through that. And then he, we began his life on this earth, it was a miracle. And how did his life begin upon this earth? The God, God the Son became a man through the, through the uh, means of the virgin birth. And a woman conceived without the help of man whatsoever. And the Holy Spirit of God made her conceived. I mean, that has never happened since. It never happened before. It never will happen again. It was a miracle. Jesus began his life on this earth as a man by a miracle. And then throughout his life on this earth, he performed miracles. He caused the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and the deaf to hear, and the dumb to speak. He caused uh, disease to go away. He healed the lepers. He healed the man with the withered hand. His hand was all withered like this, and, and Jesus healed it just immediately. It was Okay. Uh, He healed the woman who had the issue of blood for so many years. He cast out demons and changed life. Mary Magdalene is one of the examples of that. She had seven demons, and he cast those out and changed that lady's life, and she became a follower of Jesus, and we find her in the resurrection account. The maniac of Gadara was a man who had all all kinds of uh, demons. Legions of thousands of demons possessed him, and the Lord cast those demons out, and they... Threw him into, put him into a swine. They ran down a steep place and choked in the in in the in the water because they now were demon possessed. And he changed that mind. And we find that man who was a wild man who didn't wear any clothes, and he cut himself, and he he would break the chains and all that. Uh, And they just uh, Jesus completely changed him. We find him clothed, sitting in the feet of Jesus, and in his right mind. Jesus did that. It was a miracle, and he's, he does that. But add to that, he, he walked on the water. And you remember, he calmed the sea. All he had to do, when the storm was raging, the waves were so high, the people thought they were going to lose their life in the boat. Jesus just stood up and said, peace be still, and the wind stopped, and the waves stopped immediately. That's Jesus. He's a creator God. He's the almighty God. He is the one who can perform any miracle whatsoever. He's the one who took the who changed the water into wine. He's the one that, that took the five loaves or little biscuits and, and two small fishes that the little boy had and he multiplied the, those and he's fed 5,000 men plus women and children, probably 10,000 people. He fed them with those five little biscuits and two fish and then after they got through, he gathered up 12 baskets remaining. <laughs> I mean, that's Jesus. He's the miracle working God. And then he raised the dead. Yes, he raised the dead. In fact, one of them he raised, he'd been dead four days, and they were afraid that he would be stinking if they, ro- they ro- opened that tomb. And Jesus said, Roll it away. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And here comes Lazarus out of the tomb. I believe he was wrapped up like a mummy, and he's probably just walking out there, you know. And Jesus said, Now loose him and let him go. No- nothing's too hard for the Lord, nothing's too hard for Jesus. So when this great miracle-working God-man died on the cross of Calvary, it's only reasonable to expect that death would not hold him. I mean, because of who he was, he's the miracle-working God. Surely he's going to rise from the dead. And he did. (laughs) Praise the Lord. He rose from the grave. So this this morning, let's consider that miracle, the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The first thing I want to look at is the preparation for the miracle. You see, if we're going to have a miracle, there should be some things in preparation for that just to make it impossible. (laughs) I mean, you could say, there's no way this could ever happen. So let's talk about the preparation for this greatest of miracles, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The first preparation I want to mention is that the Bible says, on the cross of Calvary had all the sins of the world laid on himself. Now we have a good crowd this morning. If we took all of your sins, it would be a whole lot. In fact, if I took one of you your sin, would be a whole lot. In fact, if I get a little more specific and take the, take the sweetest lady here this morning, that everybody thinks she's just the sweetest lady that ever lived, whoever that might be, and uh, if we just took that one, that sweetest lady that ever lived, her sins would be a big, a, a, just a multitude of sins. You see, the Bible says. Sin is not doing what God wants you to do. In fact, sin is when you know to do something, then you do not do it. You fail to do what you should have done. That's a sin. And so there's sins of omission, there's sins of commission, and there's all kinds of sin in our life. And if you lived to be several years old, and you alone, as a sinner, you would have a whole lot of sin. But then you multiply that by everybody in this room plus everybody in the world plus everybody who's ever lived in the world and plus everybody who's will ever live in the world all those billions and billions and billions of people their sin was laid on Jesus on the cross of Calvary and what's the punishment for sin eternal death now talk about an impossibility how can you deal with that well in preparation for the miracle Jesus had that happen. Isaiah 53 says, All we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. But then let's add to that the physical death of Jesus. You see, Jesus didn't just swoon or pass out, he died. I mean, he was absolutely dead. When he died on the cross of Calvary, he truly died. The Bible says in Mark 15, verse 37, Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. I looked that up in the, in the, in the Greek uh, uh, Testament and found out the, the ghost, the word ghost there, gave up the ghost is not the word ghost. It's not the word spirit. It's expired. He expired. So he bowed his head and expired. And then the centurion went to examine, and the centurion knew that he was dead. There was no question about it. He was dead. In Luke chapter 23, it says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. And it's the same word in the Greek language. One word, and it means he expired. He died. And then in John chapter 19, it says this. It is finished. He said, it's finished. And he gave up the ghost. And I looked it up, and it's not the same word. It says he yielded up his spirit. He yielded up his spirit. So he truly died, and in dying, he yielded up his spirit. You see, when you die, your, body, your soul and spirit leave your body. And that's what happened to Jesus. The Bible making clear. He died. In John's Gospel, chapter 19, the chapter before what we read a while ago, it said he, he said it's finished. And he gave up the ghost, he yielded up the spirit, and the soldiers examined him. And the, they, the pilot said, uh, go make sure they're dead because it's, it's coming the, you know, it's coming the um, uh, Sabbath. We don't want them hanging on the tree at that time. And so make sure he's dead. And uh, their custom was in, in order to hasten the death, they would break the legs of the people on the cross. So we went to the first, and he wasn't dead. They broke his legs. Went to the next one that was on the other side of Jesus. He wasn't dead, so they broke his legs too. But they went to Jesus and found out something. He was already dead. And no doubt they examined to make sure he was dead. And they said, there's no reason to break his legs. And that fulfilled the scripture which says not one of, le- one, not one of his bones will be broken. So they didn't break his bones. But you know what the soldier did? He took his spear and thrust it up into the side of the Lord Jesus. And out, of, out of that came the, the, dish, the rest of the blood that was still remaining in his body. Blood came out of that, that wound as well. He was truly dead. So to make this miracle unbelievable, it's impossible. You have to make sure he's dead. Well, not only is he dead, but they prepared his body. The Bible says in John chapter 19 that uh, Joseph of Arimathea asked for the body of Jesus, and they gave him the body of Jesus. And then somebody joined Joseph of Arimathea. His name was Nicodemus, and we find Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He was a man that came to Jesus by night, questioning the Lord. And the Lord said, you must be born again. Sometime between that and this time, Nicodemus came to know Jesus as his Savior. He believed in the Lord. He believed he was the Son of God. And he believed in what he told him. And so he believed in the Lord. And he joined Joseph of Arimathea. And it says that he brought with him a 100 pounds of myrrh and alloy. That was to put in the wrappings as they wrapped the body of Jesus as a mummy would be wrapped in linen cloths and they wrapped the body and they put in these spices to help, help preserve the body for a while. A hundred pounds, that, that was Roman pounds and ours it would be 75, uh, our pounds that we know of, Seventy pounds, 75 pounds of spices they were used. So they prepared his body. He's all wrapped up like a mummy all over him and all the way up, to, up his head So there's no way he just swooned or passed out because he would have smothered if he had him. And so he's, he's truly dead. And this is miracle. The preparation for this miracle is being set by the Lord. So there's no question that this is a true miracle and he is dead. And then we find the burial of his body. They put him in a tomb. It was in a tomb owned by Joseph of Arimathea and it had never been used before. And he had hewed out of the rock a place for uh, the the body to lay. My wife and I have been there, what they suppose is the tomb, probably is. And we walked into that tomb and and there's a, a rock ledge that they've hewn out where a body would lay. And that's probably where Jesus lay. And then they said they took a stone and rolled it in front of that tomb. They say that stones in those days were like a a big circle, or wheel, solid, and they had a a groove or a trench at the bottom that they would sit it in and then they would roll it in front of the opening to that tomb. And the Bible says that uh, they they put his body in that grave and they rolled the stone there. Matthew's Gospel says he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher. And mark's Gospel chapter sixteen explain when jesus ro- rose from the grave and the stone was ra- rose, the stone was rolled away, it says it was a great stone, a very great stone, so it's a huge rock in front of the tomb and then there was one more step, and that is they sealed the tom- tomb and uh made and set a watch mark matthews' gospel chapter twenty seven says uh, they said, they came to them, and Pilate, and said, look, uh, his disciples, uh, uh, he, he said he's going to rise again the third day, and uh, we're afraid his disciples are going to come and uh, steal his body and try to say that he rose from the grave. So let's, uh, we need to, you to give us a guard and uh, somebody to set watch. So he gave them a Roman guard, and the Roman guard was assigned to the tomb to stand there and make sure nobody would get out or nobody would, nobody would get out or nobody would go in. And then they put a Roman seal on that stone. We're not for sure what that was. Probably some wax and string or something that would attach the, the wall of the tomb to the stone itself. And if anybody moved that stone, it would be broken. They would know what happened. And so there was a, it was sealed and a, st- and a watch was set. I mean, as far as the Jews and the Romans were concerned, this tomb was outable. <laughs> they had made sure. Earlier, the Jews had mocked Jesus and challenged him to come down from the cross. But I was thinking about this and just sort of imagining Jesus in his silence on the cross of Calvary when he didn't say anything. They said, why don't you come down from the cross? If you be who you say you are, why don't you come down from the cross? He never said a thing. Maybe in his mind, Jesus is saying, no, not yet. You see, I have work to do for your redemption I've got to pay for all your sins and there's going to be three hours of darkness here when I'm, I'm being separated from the Father and I am take payment for all your sin upon myself and he's dying for us. And then he's probably thought, no, I've got some more preparations to make. You see, they need to not only need to die, but they need to put me in a tomb and they need to seal that tomb. They need to make it so that there is no way whatsoever I could get out and then I'm going to show you my power. No, I'm not going to come down from this cross right now. I'm not through. But finally, they put him in the tomb, and everything was set. So on the third day, the first day of the week, it happened. I believe that Jesus died on Friday. The Jews consider uh, any part of a day as a whole day. So I believe he died on Friday. He was put in the tomb. He was there during the Passover on Saturday. And on the first day of the week, early that morning on Sunday... He arose from the grave, and that's exactly what happened. Jesus came forth from the grave. He was, he was alive, and uh, so all the preparations for the, mirac- for the miracle were made, and then he arose from the grave. Now, let's talk about the performance of the miracle. The performance of the miracle. First of all, let's mention this. It happened at just the right time. That miracle happened at just the right time. In fact, it was the time that Jesus said it would happen. Jesus said that he would would rise on the third day. Now, the disciples didn't quite get this as Jesus said it, but he said it many times to them, and we find it in the Gospels. Matthew 16 says, from that day forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised again the third day. He said, I'm going to go into Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer many things. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to raise again the third day. Matthew 17, he says this, The Son of Man shall be betrayed. They shall kill him. And the third day, he'll be raised again. Then in Matthew chapter 20, he says, The Son of Man shall be betrayed. He adds some detail. They shall condemn him to death. They shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge. You see, before Jesus ever was scourged, he knew he was going to be scourged. He knew he was going to receive that cat of nine tails on his back. He knew all that. He said he's going to be scourged, and they will crucify him. He knew that his method of death would be crucifixion, the worst method of death known at that time, crucifixion. And he said that. And then he said this, and the third day he shall rise again. And then two days before this, he said this in Matthew 26, verse 2, You know that after two days the Son of Man is betrayed and to be crucified. Jesus warned them. He told them, it's coming, I'm going to die, I'm going to be crucified, and I'm going to rise again the third day. So the preparation of the miracle was made. Now the performance of the miracle would happen at the right time on the third day. It also happened by the power of God. you remember what Jesus said? No man can take my life. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to do what? Rise it up. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up. I can make myself die, and I can make myself rise. And that's exactly what he did. He was risen not because of somebody helped him. No man or woman helped him get out of the tomb. That was not the way it happened. It says this. Matthew 28 verse six, "He is not here, for he is risen. <laughs> he is risen. He did it. <laughs> Mark 16. He is risen. He is not here. Luke 24, he is not here, but is risen. No man, no woman helped him. He is risen. How did it take place? Well, when the right time came for Jesus to rise from the grave, he did just that. He walked out of that grave. grave. He walked, first of all, he came through the grave clothes, I believe. That's why when they went into into the tomb, they found the grave clothes lying here, and the piece around his neck, his head that was wrapped separately, they found it folded neatly and lied over there. Nobody, no grave robber took him. <laughs> they wouldn't have unwrapped the clothes and put them all back in the right place, you know. And if they had uh, uh, robbed the grave, they would have just taken the mummy out of there, you know, and maybe unwrapped it later or disposed of it. But no, Jesus rose from the grave. He came through those grave clothes. Now, there's a lot of talk today, and I read it a while ago, not a while ago, just yesterday, I think it was. They were advertising Newsmax magazine. I think Newsmax does a pretty good job. But they were saying this great proof, you know, that Jesus was, was uh, risen. And they talk about this tunic of, what is it, Turin or something like that. And they found this image, they found this image of Jesus. That's why they think they know how, what he looked like, this image of Jesus on this tunic. And then they say they've done tests to show that it was some blast of energy or something that caused this image to happen, just like would have happened at the supernatural resurrection of Jesus. Let me tell you my own personal opinion. I do not believe it was Jesus' grave clothes. First of all, I don't believe God would have done something like that because what people, what's people's normal uh, thing that they would do? They will, if they can get that thing, they will worship that thing. <laughs> And I just don't believe that that's true. It's probably somebody else during that age that maybe died in similar circumstances, but I don't think it was Jesus. And it really doesn't matter because I don't need that. I have the word of God. That's all I need. And if I need proof, if I need something, a relic or something to say it, then I'm not trusting what God says. God says that Jesus rose from the grave. It was, it was uh, miraculous. He came out of those grave clothes. And not only that, he came out of the tomb. You see the angels rolled away the stone not to let Jesus out they rolled away the stone to let the disciples in Jesus walked through the stone just like later he walked through the walls of that house when he appeared to the disciples yes Jesus rose from the grave it was by the power of God also the performance of it it was at the appropriate with the it was with the appropriate publicity <laughs> I was thinking about this, you know, how did Jesus publicize his resurrection? Well, it was well publicized. First of all, he had an earthquake. In Matthew chapter 28, 28 verse 2, it says, when this happened, there was a great earthquake. God's getting people its attention. Something is happening. There's a great earthquake. And then an angel, and angels came. In Matthew 28, it tells that the angel's there. He's not here. He is risen. Angels told that. And so the angels were the publicity. Also, there were the appearances of Jesus. Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, recorded in Matthew 28 and, and John 20 that we read. He appeared on the two, to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. You remember they were walking along the way, and Jesus appeared to them and uh, started talking to them. And uh, finally they realized after he had vanished that it was Jesus. So he appeared on, to the... People on the, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Then he appeared to Peter, the Bible says in Luke 24, verse 34, and at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 5, it says he appeared to Peter. We don't know the exact details of it, just that it says he did. Also, he appeared to the disciples. We read the account of it, and Thomas wasn't present, and Jesus appeared in their presence, and he says, uh, put your hand here, examine my hands and my side. And uh, they believed. And Thomas, they told Thomas about it, and Thomas says, I'm not going to believe. I'll have to touch him, his hand myself, and I'll have to thrust my hand into his side myself. I will not believe. And so the next time, eight days later, I think that's interesting. The first, day, first time is the first day of the week, and eight days later, you don't have to be in church on Sunday to meet the Lord. <laughs> eight days later, he appeared again. The disciples were there, and Thomas was with them. He says, all right, Thomas. Come on, put your hand here, feel my hand, thrust your hand in my side, see it's me. Thomas didn't have to do that. He said, my Lord and my God. Then he said something to Thomas. We read it a while ago. He said, Thomas, do you believe because you saw? Blessed are those who believe that never have seen. And my friend, that's you if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've never seen him. I've never seen him, but I believe it. And the Lord says, blessed are those who believe. It's a terrible thing if you're not a believer because you surely are not blessed. So Jesus appeared to these people. Then the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, it's recorded in John 21. You remember Peter says, I go fishing. Now some people say Peter was backslidden and tried to go. I don't believe that. I just, Peter had been a fisherman all his life. And uh, things were sort of in a low. They already knew Jesus was alive. And he said, and, and Thomas says, I go fishing. He said, we'll go with you. It was an innocent thing. They were just going fishing. But they fished and didn't catch anything. And they were coming to the end of that fishing. And, and uh, that fishing, and uh, Jesus said, you caught anything? No, we haven't caught anything. He said, cast your net on the right side of the boat. <laughs> you know, these seasoned fishermen, they had been fishing all night. They They know how to fish. But Jesus said, you've just been fishing on the wrong side of the boat. That's crazy talk, unless it's Jesus. He says, cast on the right side of the boat. They cast on the right side of the boat, and they drug in the net. The net didn't break this time. And how many fish were there? 153 fish. So he appeared to them at that time. Also, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6, he appeared to 500 brethren at once. 500 people were there, and he appeared to them. Now he was advertising his miracle. I mean, he was publicizing. He was the risen Lord. 1 Corinthians fifteen seven says he appeared to James. And then Paul said he appeared to him. We find the account in Acts chapter 9, and 1 Corinthians fifteen eight tells us that. And then he, then there were the, he, he, he advertised it by, uh, by people who saw the Lord telling other people who saw the Lord. Well, Mary Magdalene did that. She went and told the disciples. The disciples on the road to Emmaus did that. They went back to Jerusalem and told the other disciples. The disciples told Thomas when he wasn't there. And all the disciples told many because the Lord says, Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. Tell everybody. And you know, we are that as well. We're to be those people as well. We haven't seen the Lord, but we truly believe he's the resurrected Lord. And the Lord says, Go ye into all the world. Go into all the world and preach the gospel and tell others about it. And, of course, of course, Paul did that. Everywhere he went and established churches, he preached the resurrection of the Lord. So the, the, the um, presentation of or the preparation for the, the miracle and then the performance of the miracle and how the Lord publicized that. And then the last thing I want to share with you is this, the product of the miracle. What is is the product of the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Well, a Savior is available to all the world. A Savior, the Savior, the only Savior, the way, the only way to heaven is available. And it's because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Is Easter the celebration of the the resurrection of Jesus Just, just some holiday we celebrate? Yes, for a lot of people it is. But for us... It's the one with the greatest meaning. And that is our Savior who died for our sins has risen from the grave. He's alive and he's available to everybody. He's available to you. You might not be saved, but he's available to you. He says, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. I will save you. He said, whosoever will, will call upon the name of the Lord, they can be saved. If you have never put your personal faith and trust in Jesus, and that's a certain time in your life. Nobody can say with sincerity that I've always been a Christian. No you haven't. Nobody's always been a Christian. We we were born sinners. And we didn't come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior until we came to the place where we recognized that and repented of that to God and said, Lord, I am a sinner. I deserve your wrath, but I believe Jesus died for me. And that's something you you do from your mind and your heart. You know that, that he did that for you. And you personally come to the place where you call out to the Lord to save you. And if you haven't done that, then you're not saved. You need to respond. The Savior is available, but you need to respond. And when believers respond, they experience what is another miracle, and that's the new birth. Remember Jesus said to, the, to Nicodemus, he was a religious a ruler, a, a, people, a person who knew the law, taught the law and all that. He was respected, and he said, you must be born again. Religion won't do it. You being religious doesn't save you. You must be born again. And what's the, born, what's the birth, new birth? It's a miracle. You can't do it. God can do it. How, how does it happen? Well, the Lord says in that same passage, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You trust Jesus. You call upon him to save you, and he will perform that miracle, and he'll make you a brand new creature. It's called the new birth. And by the way, if you're in Christ, you are a new creature. <laughs> you're indwelt by the Spirit of God. You have new desires There's things that you used to do you don't want to do anymore because you're a different person. And when you truly come to know the Lord, that new birth experience is a changed experience. I mean, it's an experience of change, and only God can do that. And then when believers, when people trust the Lord as Savior, they have miraculous results following that. I mean, it's nothing we can do. Only God can do it. One of the things is justification. When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he justifies you. That means he declares you to be righteous. Wow, that's some declaration. (laughs) Not because you are, but because you believed on Jesus and he's forgiven you of all your sins and he gives to you his righteousness so God can look at you and say, I declare you to be righteous. Now, that's a miracle. That happens when you trust Jesus. Then you're adopted into God's family. any Any of you here ever adopted children? Well, if you have, you know you've got to go through a lot of legal process and get everything, all the things in order, and, and you've got, got to do it just right, and make sure everything is right, and then hopefully you'll get the adoption. Well, the Lord just says, I take care of that just so, by saying it's so. And he justifies you, and immediately he changes you from the devil's family that's going to hell and puts you in God's family that's going to heaven, and he makes that adoption take place. I mean, that's a miracle. And then he allows you to have access to God in prayer. I mean, any time that you as, a, you as a believer, if you want to talk to the Lord, anytime, you can just say, God, and God in heaven hears you. It's guaranteed he hears you. You don't have to say, uh, uh, Mary, would you pray for me? No, Mary can't do that. <laughs> Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. Mary and nobody else can help you. Uh, you don't need help. <laughs> If you trust Jesus, you have bold access into the presence of God through Jesus Christ. And you just say, God, and he hears you. Now, that's miraculous. He also gives you victory in life because of God's presence and because of God's power. He rescues you from the road to hell and puts you on the road to heaven. Only God can do that. He promises you a new home in heaven someday. He promises you, new, you a new body. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty. but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that sleep. Because Jesus rose, we can rise. And someday we can go to heaven in a brand new body because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because of this, the Bible concludes there in, in 1 Corinthians 15, and that um, he tells us because that, we have a positive outlook on life. We have victory in Christ Jesus. And, you know, there's, there's, there's no problem at all with living for the Lord because God is going to give us victory. It concludes the passage by saying this, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that labor is not in vain in the Lord you can have a victorious life. Why? Because of the miracle of the resurrection. The miracle of the resurrection, when you believe, made you have the miracle of, of the new birth and the miracle of a changed life and the miracle of access to God and the miracle that one day you're going to go to heaven and one day you're going to have a brand new body and it's nothing you do or accomplish. It's something he will do and it's going to be miraculous. I look out over the congregation this morning and I say, I have to say, with all honesty, some of you need a miracle. (laughs) And if I had a mirror in front of me, I'd say the same thing to me. Our body deteriorates, doesn't it? But someday we're going to have a brand new body. We'll be young again. Can anybody do that? No. (laughs) Nobody except the Lord. It's a miracle. And it will happen because of our miracle-working God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior today? If you have, you should live a victorious life because of the power of the resurrection and the Lord Jesus. If you haven't trusted the Lord as your Savior, think about it a minute. You are rejecting the greatest miracle in all of the world. Jesus died for your sins and then miraculously he arose from the grave as proof it was all paid for and he wants to be your Savior. Some people say when you talk about Easter, and they say, oh, you're religious, huh? No, it's not religion. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and you can have that as well. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, today you can be saved, and God can change you and give you a brand-new life and a brand-new future because of the miracle of the resurrection. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for Jesus Christ, what he did for us on the cross. But, Lord, we thank you for that capstone that he arose from the grave. You're alive today, and we thank you. You're alive today, and because we have believed in you, we're alive as well. But, Lord, there might be somebody here today who's still dead in sins. They haven't trusted Christ. I pray that today they will do that. We ask in Jesus' name.